What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here, late evening hours of Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. We've got another live episode of the podcast tonight that I will play back for you on B-Shape Daily, but I wanted to do a bit of an intro this time because, guys, mea culpa, I messed it up, and I apologize sincerely to my longtime listeners who say, what are you doing with that YouTube stuff? It's ruining the great sanctity of the audio-only B-Shape Daily. I apologize. Um, in most cases, I don't think that's been the case. I think the podcast has been enhanced by the ability to, uh, at times when the Cardinals are on the road, go live on YouTube and talk with listeners as the podcast is going on, answer questions. It's been a lot of fun. I've been playing it back on the stream here, and hopefully you haven't minded, uh, minded it if you've been a longtime listener of the show. But today, you may feel it's a little bit lesser of an experience, and it's my fault. Uh, the audio quality is going to suffer. I'll tell you off the top, I've been going over. It's almost midnight here. I'm trying to figure out if there's going to be a way to fix it, um, but it is going to sound a little rough for this episode. I'm not going to not publish the episode because, uh, my gosh, we've had such consistency in publishing B-Shape Daily on a daily basis. I just ask for a little bit of grace for this one because... Uh, what happened was typically I back up my recording on uh, Audacity as I record live on YouTube, and I did that, but the problem was the settings were not uh, double-checked to be sure that I had uh, I was actually using my microphone. I was using the internal laptop microphone, so it's going to sound like, uh, I, like a Zoom call on today's podcast, and I do sincerely apologize for that. Uh, I would say go to YouTube. If you, if you want better quality, you can listen to the YouTube side. That actually did have my uh, advanced microphone, my technology, my radio equipment was all hooked up for that. For whatever reason, I didn't think to double check it on Audacity because it's never happened to me before this way. But then again, yesterday, I had a few people reach out and say, hey, the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, the audio was only coming through one ear of my headphones. And that was a mistake related to my radio show. I changed some of the settings on my board. Uh, I now know the mistake that I made there, and tonight I know I know the mistake that I made. But because it's midnight, I don't think I'm going to have time. I'd have to stay up till 4 a.m. to be able to fix it. And so I'm just going to publish it as is. I really do apologize, guys. But the good news is it is a big win for the Cardinals. So hopefully you'll be able to uh, hear the podcast. Um, and let me know on Twitter if this uh, ruined your experience. I want to apologize to each and every one of you personally because I did not intend for this to happen. I still think it sounds okay. It doesn't sound great, though. I'm not going to lie to you. The, the quality is not the same that it's been on B-Shape Daily. Uh, so have a little grace for me. I really appreciate it. You guys have been so great about listening to the show, uh, subscribing on Apple and on uh, on Spotify and on YouTube. My gosh, the growth on YouTube has been incredible. Uh, I think I've quadrupled my YouTube numbers over the last four days, and I couldn't do it without you guys. So thank you so much. If you haven't gone to YouTube yet, it's youtube.com slash at bshafer12. Uh, but I promise you, I'm going to prioritize and make sure that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys listen, um, the Wednesday night for Thursday morning episode is going to sound a lot crisper than this one. Once again, sorry about the quality, guys. I hope that it ends up working out for you. It is about an hour long, so plenty of Cardinals content. Uh, it is a 2.10 p.m. game on Wednesday, so not a lot of time to get it in before the next one. But this was a big win for the Cardinals on Tuesday night, and so I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, but again, if you want to yell at anybody, yell at me, at bshafer12 on Twitter. Uh, I deserve the the 10 lashings or whatever comes with this um, because I, I did screw up. Um, I, I'm trying to get all these different uh, balls in the air that I'm juggling right now, and I, I, I messed this one up, but I'm going to figure it out moving forward. 
so that B-Shave Daily, man, it's going to be better than ever for this entire Cardinal season. I'm so excited about what we're doing here. Uh, I'm excited about the fact that you guys are listening. I get these numbers, and I see that you guys are continuing to stick with me, and that freaking means the world. So thank you guys so much. Uh, thank the Cardinals for actually winning on Tuesday, giving us some exciting Cardinals talk to have on the show. Uh, I'm going to play that right here for you, and uh, appreciate you guys, and uh, I'll talk to you again on Wednesday night, and I promise it'll sound just as clear as it does right now. Um, but the, the next hour or so may be a little different. So buckle up, enjoy the Cardinals talk. Appreciate you guys. What's going on, everyone, and welcome into this edition of B-Shape Daily Live as we are breaking down the Cardinals' win over the Rockies 9-6 to from Tuesday night. It's Tuesday, April 11, 2023, late evening hours, as we say on the pod. Welcome into this edition of the show. Let's see you in the comments section. Lots of Cardinals fans in here right now, and you guys are probably pumped because the Cardinals came back from a 6-2 deficit, and boy, did they ever need this win, and they were able to come up with it. Huge win for the Cardinals. Like the stream. Comment on the stream that you're here. I'm going to get to every question. I scroll back up to the top. That's the way this works, and uh, I'll, I'll get to all of your thoughts and comments and concerns. Hopefully not too many concerns tonight, maybe about the starting pitching but y'all knew. Miles Michaelis, did y'all see his numbers coming into the day at Coors Field? We'll pull it up. I saw the tweet this morning where Miles Michaelis' career ERA of 12.41 at Coors Field, and he had allowed a 470 batting average against. Not great, but guess what? He started the game. The Cardinals found a way to win it anyway. 20 likes on the stream. Let's get that higher. If you're in here and you have not liked the YouTube stream, do that. If you have not subscribed on YouTube, I cannot fathom what you're waiting for do that. But right now, I'm going to go right into the comments and get into the thoughts that everybody has about this game. Corey said he didn't think he'd want to join the stream about an hour ago, but then the Cardinals came through. How about the double by Nolan Arenado? Seventh inning was a magical time to be a Cardinals fan as they were able to cut away that 6-2 to two deficit, make it a 6-6 to six tie, and at that point, was there any other way for it to win but the Cardinals to come up with the dub? They needed it. I mean, they really did. Cardinals fans, the natives have been restless. You go to 3-7 and seven on the season. The Brewers, let me know in the stream what they're doing right now because I know that the Brewers had been locked into a battle with the D-backs. And uh, at last check, the Brewers didn't even have a base hit. Oh, no, that changed. <laughs> they're up 6 nothing right now. Uh, but the Card all the more reason, right, that the Cardinals needed this win. Um, and so Cardinals fans, I think if they were to drop to 3-8, and eight, guys, that might have been the season. That might have been it. They might have mailed it in from there. I'm kidding, of course. But boy, did they ever need this win. Cardinals improved to four and seven. Uh, the Cat Tower is locked and loaded. Let's get into some of the comments. Brent is here. Popcorn Flicks is here. We got Joel. We got Adam. Uh, we got the, the entire gang. Craig says he's staying up late for it, and now he won't have his daily list in the morning. And, and Craig, here's the thing, man. I have been uploading this to the B-Shape Daily Podcast feed uh, for those who may have missed it. Uh, but I will. Here's the thing. I'm trying to get this going on YouTube. It's a brand new venture. As of a week ago, I had like 50 subscribers on YouTube. Let's pump that thing to the moon. If you're in here and you have not subscribed, get it done for me. It means the world. Uh, but after I get that going and I don't have to continue to beg everybody to subscribe on YouTube, that's when I start to get like varying types of content going. We're going to have audio content every day, new types of videos that won't just be this stream. But right now, it's a lot of work to get it up and running. So that's the name of the game. If you like the stream on YouTube, if you follow, if you subscribe, that helps me to be able to, to provide some better content going forward. And hey, if you're like, Brendan, I followed you for years, man. The next step for you, 
patreon.com slash bshaper12. Send me a DM on Twitter. I'll tell you why you should subscribe to Patreon. And if you think maybe not, then that's fine too. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I get it. Right now it's free on here, and that's the way it should be uh, for anybody who wants to follow Cardinals content. Bro looked lost all game. Hopefully that last one gets him going. I thought that was a big hit for Tyler O'Neill there late in the game. For the one reason that he was 0 for 4 before it, and for the other factor of Cardinals were up by two, but his two runs, a safe lead at Coors Field, hell no. To get it to 9-6 to six, I thought was important. I know the Rockies didn't score anything in their half of the ninth inning, but they did have runners on base. The first two end up reaching against Ryan Helsley. That is a ballpark destined for late-inning magic. The Cardinals did not allow it to happen. I thought that was good, though. The insurance run maybe was the thing that took the Rockies out of the game a little bit more and to say, ah, why even bother offensively? We can't score three. I thought that was big for O'Neal. Big for his confidence, right? Like he has been a topic of conversation over the last 10 days in Cardinals Nation. Really important for Tyler O'Neill to get going. I thought that was huge. Uh, Corey called him bro. I call him ton. Same difference. Big hit for Tyler late to make it 9-6. Uh, Trevor admits to being a, a Fairweather fan, says he stopped watching down 6-2 uh, to two so that the Cardinals can come back to win. And he uh, says, you're welcome, everybody. And I see everybody thanking Trevor in the chat. 23 likes on the stream. You guys are excellent. If you haven't done it yet, you know who you are. Like the stream. I want to see y'all do it. Uh, looks like Hunter had a bet on the game. He likes the cover. Uh, let's see. Scrolling down here, Lucas. Welcome in, Lucas. I don't know if I've seen you a couple times before. Uh, why does anybody throw Nolan Gorman breaking balls? I do not know. The dude has been absolutely locked in when it comes to breaking balls that you leave over the, the middle of the plate, right? You could throw in breaking balls if it literally touches dirt or touches the home plate, but if it stays in the air and it stays at the knees or above, you're done. You're absolutely done. And Nolan Gorman made him pay. That was a huge spot in this game to, to sort of yeah, get a little bit of breathing room for the Cardinals there after the 6-6 tie. I didn't know who was going to be the person to break it open. Uh, the double by Arenado into the left field corner was critical. Takes it from 3-6. to six. Uh, to six to six at that point, Cardinals needed it. They needed somebody to come through. And really, it did need to be one of the big guns. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. here's the thing. Their numbers on the season, if you look at them, they're perfectly fine and dandy at this point in time. I'm checking it out right now on the uh, the box score. Goldschmidt's hitting 350. Arenado's hitting 333. Those guys both had uh, several RBIs tonight, both reached base via walk. Uh, that's critical for the Cardinals. They needed a big-time hit right now from one of those guys. As the Cardinals go, that's how those guys are going. They carry this team one through nine. I think the Cardinals are as deep as they've ever been. Well, not ever been, but the, the, as deep as they've been since I've started covering them in, what was it, 2016. Welcome in. We've got new followers onto the stream. Here's what I want to see from y'all. Like the stream, subscribe on the stream. The Cardinals are deep one through nine. I know people are skeptical about the offense because we haven't seen very many runs from these guys the last couple few days, but here's the deal. What spot in the lineup are you on a daily basis thinking, oh, that's not a good one? Like Wilson Contreras, has he struggled a little bit? Sure. But he is in the five spot in the lineup, and he's going to continue to be. You've got guys like Jordan Walker batting seventh, his hit streak. I mean, did anybody expect Jordan Walker to open his major league career with an 11-game hit streak? I didn't think it would happen. He is as consistent as anyone on this team. And that's a, that is a true high mark for Jordan Walker to say, like, he might not have the highest OPS. He might not lead the team in home runs. He might not have the highest batting average. His consistency is what really impressed the Cardinals in spring. And so when the last few weeks of spring training, Jordan Walker did not end up doing very much at the plate, what happened? They brought him to the big league team because they said he is going to be fine. 
They like the way he carried himself. He's carried that into the regular season, and he has rewarded John Mozeliak. He has rewarded Ali Marmel with what he's been able to come up with in the early portion of the year, 11-game hitting streak. I tweeted it a couple of days ago. It's really going to be a joy to watch the Jordan Walker, uh, Walker hitting streak unfold over the next two or three years. You know, 200, 300 games, whatever it ends up being, we'll all enjoy the ride. Uh, let's roll back in here to the chat. I got to scroll up a little bit. You guys are chatting faster than I can read. Uh, let's see here. Uh, when do the Cardinals realistically strengthen their pitching lineup, in your opinion? Is there something that you personally would love to see the Cardinals pick up? Uh, and like I said, more people have uh, been watching the stream than have been liking the stream. Like and subscribe, my people. I love you. Let's do it. I talked about this a lot last night when it came to the starting pitching. The Cardinals do not have an obvious way to upgrade the rotation right now. And if you look at the game that Michael has pitched, I thought early going, guys, it was going to be pretty good. Through four innings, you're talking four innings, one run. That's about the best outing you could have possibly hoped for at Coors Field. But the boy, did the wheels come off in the fifth. Six earned runs, 10 total hits, a couple of walks in, three, three home runs against Miles Michaelis in this game tonight to bring his ERA for the season to 10. It's not what you want. It isn't what you want. I think he's going to be able to bounce back. But even if you really aren't very high on Miles Michaelis right now, do you really believe that after they gave him a two-year extension following the season, they gave him $8 million extra dollars in 2023. It was a $5 million uh, signing bonus and then a, a $3 million roster bonus or vice versa, whatever it was. He got a bunch of cash. And then he's playing for two more years, 2024, 2025, getting $16 million per year in those seasons. The Cardinals are not going to yank Miles Michaels from the rotation. I know it hasn't looked good. 10 ERA is not what you want. All that being said, I do think Miles Michaels will be able to turn it around. And going into this outing, we knew it was going to be a bad one. Like, I hate to say you know for sure, but the numbers had been stacked against him. For those who missed the beginning of the stream, it was a 12.41 ERA coming into this game. Miles Michaels in his career at Coors Field. A 470 batting average against. So, he struggled. Jordan Montgomery has been the one starter that has really done his job in what, 11 games? Cardinals are 4-7. and seven. They played 11 games. Monty has had the one outing. Jordan Montchubbery, I call them. Jack Flaherty has had two good outings, uh, kind of despite himself, right? A grand total of 13 walks in 10 innings. But the ERA is pretty solid. I think Jordan Walker, pardon me, I think Jack Flaherty is going to be able to get it back together. I think he's going to have a very good season for the Cardinals. I don't know about an all-star season. But nobody's removing Jack Flaherty from the rotation. So I'm getting to Popcorn's question here where he says, who are you taking out? Well, it's not Michaelis. It's not going to be Jack Flaherty. It's not Jordan Montgomery who's pitching well. Adam Wainwright, well, he's about to make his way back into the rotation, so it's not going to be him. Steven Matz, is that the name y'all are circling right now? Realistically, I just don't think that can be what the Cardinals do because they have paid him as well two more years, $11 million per season. It's a difficult thing. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be able to honestly – take any of these guys out of the rotation. And that's what I talked about yesterday. Go back on the YouTube feed, on the B-Shape Daily Podcast feed. It's a difficult thing. The Cardinals need the guys they have in their rotation, save for Woodford, because he can be replaced, whether it's by Wainwright and then maybe somebody else gets hurt. I think uh, you could see a situation where Matthew Libertor actually laps Jake Woodford in the rotation. I think that's possible. But other than that, who are you replacing? Who can you take out? It's a very difficult question. And I don't think there's an obvious answer to it right now for the Cardinals. So I get it. The rotation has been bad. Tonight was was basically in line with that. It was not an exception. 
It was a continuation. Through 11 games, you have had 10 concerning starts. I'm going to count both of Jack Flaherty's as concerning, even though he gave up zero runs and two runs and was able to keep his team in the game for both of those. 13 walks in 10 innings. I think long-term, I'm not concerned about Jack Flaherty. I do believe he will find the command and the control of his pitches. He's too talented not to. So I think in his case, it's going to be okay. But everybody else, you're like, man, I thought Steven Matz coming into the year would be solid. We haven't seen it yet. I thought Miles Michaelis was somebody you did not have to worry about. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. So there are concerns. I don't think the answer, though, popcorn flips, is that the Cardinals could end up making a pickup. Like, if it's July and we're still having these conversations, different story. But for right now, it is very difficult for me to identify and say, oh, go get Shane Bieber. Go get, we don't know who the bad teams are going to be. We don't know who's going to trade away their ace starting pitcher that's on an expiring deal or a, or a two-year deal, two years of team control. We have no idea yet. And the Cardinals don't either. But keep in mind, too, if you think they need to make a move, I said this yesterday, who are you trading away and how damaging is that going to be to your team? You have to give something away from the big league roster. Is that going to be a hitter? Is that going to be bullpen help? Is that Zach Thompson type who could maybe be a starter for you next year if you play your cards right? It's a difficult question. I understand. It is the number one topic dominating the Cardinals right now. I don't think there is an immediate answer for how to fix it. Greg says that Walker's ability to muscle that hit was so important beyond extending the streak. Couldn't agree more. Jordan Walker has a, a few for the game as good as anybody on this team. It is, and he's 20 years old, guys. What he's been able to do and the feel he has for the moment and being able to know when sometimes you, I, I was going to say you got to choke up and get that base hit. I don't know if he choked up. I'd have to go back and look. I don't really think guys actually choke up on the bat anymore. That's more of like a 1990s dads say to their sons to get them to, you know, whatever. I think at this point, though, Jordan Walker is, his feel for the game is tremendous. It's really good. What's up, J-Ro? Uh, he just chimes in with a little bit of daily Jordan Walker appreciation. Loving this young man. Yeah, Cardinals fans, appreciate Jordan Walker. Give him some love. I don't know if he's on social media. I assume he is. He's a 20-year-old kid. Most people are. Give Jordan Walker some love on social media, man. The dude deserves it. Uh, let's see here. Derek, offense is going to pound the league. No issue with that. But dang, the pitching is thin. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, Derek. I said, and I feel kind of silly for it, the way the Cardinals have played, I don't know, the last few days offensively. Uh, I felt like the at-bats they were taking, maybe not as strong as they had been previously, but I had said on the radio last week that this Cardinals lineup could lead the league in run score. They scored nine tonight. That helps their cause. Uh, but for a few days there, I was kind of wondering, I don't know, man, is this really that kind of lineup? I think it could be. Again, what did y'all think of the lineup before the game began tonight? You had Taylor Motter in there. You had a few of the reserves that you go, ah, those guys aren't everyday players. Nine runs. They found a way to get nine runs. So, again, I think one through 12 in this lineup, and I say 12 because you've got guys like Motter. You've got guys like Dylan Carlson. You've got players like Juan Yepes who are typically on the bench. He hits a big home run tonight. you got those guys that are typically not even in your starting nine, and they can do damage as well. The Cardinals, I think more so than any other year, have the depth in their position player group that one through 12 – they're pretty solid, man. You've got the outfielders and the infielders on the bench that can step in at any given time and they get the job done. All right, back into the chat here. Any chance, uh, this is a question from Landon, any chance Libertor gets called up soon? Yes, but where are you going to put him? You have to have a rotation spot for him. I think Jake Woodford gets one more start. If Jake Woodford goes four innings and gives up five runs against the Pirates over the weekend, especially if Matthew Libertor has another good start in Memphis, 
I think they might try to line up those turns and figure out a way to get Libby here sooner rather than later. However, I could see a situation where Woodford shoves. It is the Pirates, after all. They won't have O'Neill Cruz, and he had a very good spring. The Cardinals believe in Jake Woodford, and that's why he's here. Give him one more chance, Cardinals fans. I know that it's been a little bit rough over the first two outings, but I still believe he can be an asset to the rotation. Uh, more than I believe it, I think the Cardinals believe it, and so they may want to give him one more shot. Uh, JD wants to know if I can grow my, grow my hair back out. I'm going to do this real quick. I'm going to take off the hat just so you so you all can see what I'm working with. I, it's on. It's a work in progress, but i got to be honest, man. I've been thinking every day about maybe getting a haircut because I pretty much have to wear a hat. Otherwise, I can't keep control of the hair. It's a lot. Uh, Trevor says it was a must win. He's right. Andrew, glad they won, but concerned. Do you think the front office is serious about winning? Seems they won't go far unless they change their philosophy on adding a high-end starting pitcher where they will waste Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. I assume he means the prime years of Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Here's the thing, Andrew, and I appreciate the question. And if you're just new to the stream, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm going to be putting Cardinals content out here all year. And so uh, you guys are getting in on the ground floor, and I appreciate that. And Andrew, subscribe, my man. Guys, if you haven't subscribed before this uh, stream right now, and you do during the stream, comment that you did, because it will make my freaking day. All right, Andrew, here's the thing. The front office, I think, is serious about winning. You do have to recall that they are tied to the ownership. And I do believe that Bill DeWitt is serious about winning as well. But it's all to an extent, right? They're not going to be reckless. A lot of Cardinals fans, a lot of people in the media, me, in the offseason said, hey, you got to add a premier starting pitcher. I was of the mind that maybe Carlos Rodon would be a, a, an interesting guy for the Cardinals. But did you see the news today? Did you see that Carlos Rodon is dealing with a back injury? In addition to, uh, I, I believe it's like a forearm or some other kind of injury. He's got multiple injuries right now. All right. He signed a $180 million contract or whatever it was. Again, there are five, six years left on that deal for Carlos Rodon and the Yankees to end up serendipity, baby. It could end up going really well. But in year one, can we say the Cardinals messed up by not getting Rodon? Probably not. Can we say the Cardinals messed up by not getting Jose Quintana? I may have said they should have done it. I may have tweeted it out in an angsty way and said, Cardinals, it's a miss by Mo. Guess what? He's got some weird back injury, too. He's not pitching right now. So here's my thing. Go in the chat. Let me know. What was the pitcher that was on the market this offseason that the Cardinals didn't get? And listen, if you say Max Scherzer, if you say one of those big-name guys who was getting $40 million AAV, I don't disagree with you. But the Cardinals, that has just not historically been their style. And so it's hard to convince Bill DeWitt. I'll go back to uh, winter warm-up. Bill DeWitt had a, uh, a meeting right there with the media. He took questions. He was asked about pitching in the offseason. Are you going to go after somebody big? He looked bewildered. He looked very confused why people were surprised that they didn't go for a nine-figure contract, like a $100 million arm. It was never a consideration, Cardinals fans. I know you're saying, well, it should have been. And that's totally within your right to feel that way. I'm just giving you the scoop that it's not like the Cardinals were close and they missed out. I think in this offseason, the Cardinals did not go after one of those big names in the pitching market. And you can kind of see why. They plan to give Michaelis an extension. He's, he's got $32 million over the next two years. Steven Matz, $22 million over 24 and 25. Jack Flaherty is going to be gone after this year, but he's in the rotation now. He's, he's a good pitcher, obviously. Same thing with Jordan Montgomery. They're not going to replace him. Adam Wainwright, $18 million. Ignore the money. Don't worry about the amount for Wainwright. You know they're bringing him back. 
They did it for Yandy last year. It's called a legacy deal. Uh, do they also think that Wainwright can help their rotation? Yes, I still think there's a very good chance that that happens. My point, though, guys, you got five names there. They weren't going to sign a big-time contract for a starting pitcher because they felt like we are already committed to five starting pitchers and Dakota Hudson. Dakota had every opportunity to make this team in spring. He didn't pitch well, didn't make the team. So now he's got to earn uh, some trust back. Matthew Libertour is down there looking for opportunities. Gordon Graceffo, minor league pitcher of the year last year, down there in AAA looking for opportunities. He did well in his first start. So the depth is there. The guys in the top five are being paid to be there. Something does have to give. They have to get better outings out of their starting pitching. But right now, was there another way to go about it? Maybe. Trading a starter and then signing one might have been the way. But wasn't the name Jordan Montgomery the one that was floated the most if you looked at Twitter rumors about trades? It was Montgomery every time. It wasn't really very often Jack Flaherty. And wouldn't it have been very difficult to trade Flaherty off of the kind of year, couple of years that he had with injuries and the like? Wouldn't have very much uh, gotten the most that you could have for Flaherty. So can you understand how it would have been difficult to make a trade like that in the offseason? I have talked about the starting pitching more than anything else so far on this stream. Uh, not talking about just today, but over the past week. And I get why. But the more I break it down, the more I just don't believe the Cardinals had a whole lot of other options there at their disposal. I'm going to get into Johnny's question after the sip of water. And Johnny says, Really, the only thing the rotation can do is get better. I mean, they suck right now. Uh, thank you, Johnny, for the for the uh, comment. I think you're new, Johnny. Subscribe to the, str the stream, my man, uh, and the YouTube channel. Yeah, they've been rough. The only thing they can do is get better, guys. I think that's honestly what it boils down to. Uh, it's not easy to hear, but it is, I think, what they need. Joel says not to cut my hair until the Cardinals break 500. Listen, guys, I'm a writer. You know, I did grow up in St. Louis. I grew up a Cardinals fan. I have a totally different perspective on it these days. I say that the Cardinals, when they lose, man, it doesn't ruin my day anymore. 2009, Matt Holliday dropping a fly ball in left field. That ruined my night. But luckily, I'm in a different position now, and I am not the Cardinals fan that I once was. So I cannot tie my hair to the Cardinals record. It just doesn't have any effect on me personally. Uh, but I do appreciate that, Joel. I mean, it's a good idea. Console PVP, you're new, I think. I don't think I've seen you, brother. Subscribe. Do you think that Thompson should be in the rotation instead of somebody like Miles or Woodford, or should he stay in the bullpen? I think he, I think Thompson should be in the 24 rotation. 2024 Cardinals starting rotation. I think he should at the very least be considered. The problem is going to be innings. And if you reverse engineer that, he is needed in the 2023 bullpen. The Cardinals need him in relief right now. He is their best lefty. If you get to a point where Hennessy's Cabrera is nails, I'm talking lights out the way that he was in like prior to 2022, maybe it's a different story. But Zach Thompson is really effective. You got to have two good lefties, and Thompson is the better of the lefties. Even when Packy Naughton was healthy, Thompson was the guy you wanted in crunch time from the left side. So I think he has to be in the bullpen. The Cardinals have sort of facilitated this need. It's the same thing with Ryan Helsley. Remember a couple of years ago when Helsley was like, Coming into spring training, oh, yeah, he's competing as a starter. And it was like, yeah, but not really. Not really. We're going to have him as a reliever, the Cardinals said. And they did. And guess what? Now he's the closer, never to be considered a starter again for the rest of his career in St. Louis. Is what it is. But at the same time, it's like maybe he could have done it. I think it's the exact same thing with uh, Zach Thompson. The only difference is he's left-handed. So it's even a different situation where they might need him from the left side. Drew Verhagen. I don't know if anybody's asked about him. I've been telling y'all, 
Drew is going to have a very good season. He's healthy now. Go back to my tweets in February. I've been saying it. But I don't think he's going to get a chance to start either because they might need him in the bullpen. Uh, but Consul, I appreciate the question about Zach Thompson. I think he's great. I don't think you're taking Miles Michaelis out of the out of the rotation. First of all, they gave him 32 million in addition to the money he's getting this year. He's a starter. I know his ERA is 10. I know that's a big number. Miles is a starter on this team, and he will be for 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 years to come. It is what it is when it comes to his contract. That's what it is. Uh, let's see, Joel. Why does Chip Carey sound excited when the come on? I honestly don't listen to the, uh, the, the the broadcast feed too closely as I'm watching, doing things at home. I think Chip Carey has done a great job, though, from what I've heard. So come on. I think he is just, a, a you know, an exuberant broadcaster. He's not excited about the Cardinals striking out. He's excited about a baseball play. Uh, give Chip a chance, guys. That's what I would say. Uh, will Jordan Walker's streak ever end? Yes, it will end. But it may be like 2025, 2026 before it does. Uh, Trevor says he's not fair weather. He's he's superstitious and he took one for the team. I am not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Uh, Joel crediting Trevor for being a smart guy there. Uh, somehow, some way the $5 payroll, come on. The payroll's over a hundred million, I think, right? Like 130, 150 mil. I don't know off the top of my head what it is. Um, but it is kind of in the middle of the pack, probably toward the top half. And add the Miles Michaelis money, right? They gave him $8 million in bonus money this year. Uh, it's so that he's cheaper in 24 and 25, but they did pay him the, the signing bonus and all that good stuff, the roster bonus for 2023. But just remember, in 2024, I want to make sure that those payroll figures are not counting that in 24. You can't say, well, we did pay him more than... No, you're paying him $16 million next year, $16 million the year after. That's what, it, that's, that's what the Cardinals get credit for in terms of payroll. That's the way it's got to be. Uh, let's see. We've got so many comments. I'm going to try to get to it. I do need a sip of water. I'm talking fast. Uh, Jimmy and Hunter have both deleted some of their messages. I don't know what kind of shady stuff is going down in the chat, but I got to keep a better eye on it, I guess. Uh, let's see. Josh says that he hope uh, he hopes that Cabby is back. I think he might be back. And Corey asked the question. I think he might be back, guys. Um, I don't know what it was. His focus wasn't there last year. Something was off about him. Um, but boy, could the Cardinals use him? And maybe it's like a wake-up call. You go to the World Baseball Classic, you kind of assume you're going to have the roster spot, and then guess what? You wake up and go, oh, I'm in AAA to start the season. Oh, crap. Maybe it was a wake-up call for Cavi, and he's really been putting in the effort. He looks good so far. The stuff is there. The command is there. Um, that's what they were missing from him last year, and hopefully that was a wake-up call for him to miss the team out of camp. Uh, I think that would be a big deal to get him back to where he had been because he was a reliable late inning guy and the Cardinals need as many of those as they can get. Joe, welcome in. The team is still hitting into bad luck. Goldie lined out to third with bases loaded. Should have been two more runs at least. Big things are coming from this team. I'm, I've been telling y'all, like Sunday, I felt like the, the at-bats, they weren't as good as they had been. And even yesterday, uh, they scored four runs, maybe hit into a little bad luck, but I thought some of the at-bats were just like, you're making... The Rockies should not make quick work of you the way that they did, especially the first time through the lineup. That first three innings, man, it flew by. Cardinals need to work counts, be grinders out there, and they weren't yesterday. That being said, outside of those two games, and I'm going to count tonight on, on the good ledger, the Cardinals have played really nine games where they have taken really good at-bats. And they have a lineup one through nine that is dangerous. And yes, they're going to hit into some bad luck. If Goldschmidt happens to loft that ball, I don't know, three feet in any given direction, 
the Cardinals probably score two runs, maybe three, depending on uh, if it gets into the corner there. There are opportunities to score more runs, and that's why I confidently say this can still be a team that leads the league and runs score. I really do feel it. Joel is driving from Omaha to Dickinson, North Rankin, Dakota tomorrow. So he's saving the rest of this for the drive, as is customary. Peace. If you're a longtime B-shaped daily listener, you know I end every podcast by peacing out. So thank you, Joel, man. Uh, send me a direct message later on after you get to North Dakota. Let me know that you get there safe. I appreciate that you'll be listening to the pod on the way there. Uh, yeah, CJ Crone, guys, somebody get me the official distance on the Crone homer because I think it had to be 700 feet. It got onto the concourse at Coors Field and left. That was an absolute tank job. And that was a point at which I said, Ollie, my man, get somebody up. <laughs> like, come on. If he gives up one homer and you go, okay, get him through it, he gives up that kind of tank. You got to get somebody throwing. And I know it ended up working out. And in Ollie's defense, you have to have your starters go a certain number of innings or the bullpen will be screwed. It is April 11th. You cannot have the starters go four and a third and then come in and rescue them and let the bullpen go five plus every night. It's not going to be sustainable. That being said, I had a bad feeling when Miles started to give up hard contact there. And so I thought maybe you get somebody up a little sooner. And uh, I may have been a little bit reactionary tweeting that out and people really jumped on it because people are pissed at Ollie right now. At least they were before the, the win tonight. Guys, I'm telling you, Ollie Marmel is a good manager. I've, I've seen a lot of people, and I told them, come into my live stream and tell me Ollie's a bad manager and tell me why. Um, I thought he managed the Philadelphia series in the playoffs last year effectively. I know everybody was mad the, the way it went. Here's the deal. If Ryan Helsley doesn't hurt his finger in Pittsburgh on a Tuesday, the Cardinals win game one. You say, well, they took out Quintana too early. No, they didn't. They did exactly what they planned to do with Quintana because they thought they had an all-star closer that was guaranteed for the ninth inning. And so when they go five innings with Quintana, and then he pitches the first batter of the sixth, and then Jordan Hicks gets the next two outs, and it goes literally to the script, and they get through the next couple of innings, and all they need is Ryan Helsley to finish the game. And he can't do it because his finger stiffens up. That's not an all marble problem. It's called bad freaking luck. It's a fluke. The Cardinals lost game one against Philly on a fluke. Game two. They had a pretty close contested game, and then it got away from them late. It happens, man. It happens. They should have won the first game, so you lose game two. Who cares? You're going to tee off on Ranger Suarez in game three. He's a left-handed pitcher that Philly was due to throw, and the Cardinals kill lefties. It was going to be a St. Louis series win. Ryan Helsley's finger is the reason that it wasn't. Not Ollie Marmel's managing. And if you get into this year, guys, it looks bad. The O'Neill situation, he could have handled it differently. But don't you love an, uh, an unapologetic manager, a guy who's going to stick to his guns even in the face of some criticism because he truly believes it's right? That's what Ollie Marmel does. Hey, he's getting criticism because he's playing Tyler O'Neill in center field more than Dylan Carlson. I'm one of the people saying, Ollie, I don't agree with that. But Ollie has explained his reasoning. Uh, Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat wrote a good story about it because he was there in Milwaukee when the quotes were given out. But if you also want to listen to my podcast from yesterday, we talked about it. If you want to go to patreon.com slash bshafer12, I gave my full thoughts on whether it should be Dylan or Tyler as the everyday guy in center field. It's nuanced. It's difficult. But Ali Marmel, I think, is doing a really good job. And the Cardinals are 4-7 and seven now. They play the Pirates this weekend for four. Let's say they win tomorrow in uh, Colorado, 210 uh, first pitch. I was going to say kickoff. Uh, I'll do some football podcasts in the fall if y'all want. 
But 2-10 first pitch in Colorado, let's say they win that game and they go 3 or 4 against the Pirates. You're 8 and 8. Like the Cardinals are not that far away and you could imagine them beat the Pirates. They've done it before. It's happened before. The Cardinals are not that far off from being just fine. Let's not overreact to what Ollie Marmol has, is as a manager because of a couple of bad weeks. Because it really hasn't even been two bad weeks. It's been like a bad week and a half. That's where I see it. James chiming in. Nolan smashing the bases, uh, clearing double felt like pent-up frustration from an entire team in one swing. Boy, is that a great comment. What a great comment by James. Hopefully that becomes a turning point and the at-bats become far more comfortable, less press. I couldn't agree more, man. They've been pressing a little bit, and I've talked about Sunday looking like the at-bats weren't quite there. Monday, there were times where the at-bats were not consistent. I felt like they were a lot more consistent tonight, top to bottom, and I do think when you have starting pitching that gets you behind early in games and you know it's coming, like it's to the point where they know it's coming, is it not human nature to allow that to seep in a little bit? I think so. The Cardinals did a nice job tonight of rallying back, and this could be, like if they could get a shove on Wednesday from the starting pitcher, I think this team could be about to go on a run. And let me think about it. Jack Flaherty is due tomorrow. Jack Flaherty, I mean, the, he's going to shove. I think he's going to shove on Wednesday. And that could be the thing that catapults this team into a weekend series against a Pittsburgh roster without O'Neill Cruz. And you hate to, to say, well, the guy's injured, but it does play a factor. He's one of their best players. Do you get Brian Reynolds out? That Pittsburgh lineup does not have much else to get you. And so I, I think it could be a turning point if Jack Flaherty can come out and command the fastball tomorrow. The Cardinals could go on a run. I don't think it's crazy to, 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 to predict that that might happen. Corey, my man's back in the chat. I think the Cardinals have had some bad luck so far as well. Finally got a break with the error on Edmonds grounder and made a count. That's the other part of it. Over the last few days, have the Cardinals at all taken advantage of the mistakes the other team makes? Not really. That was an example where they did. And Tommy Edmond had a great game, by the way. Uh, really good to see against uh, for Tommy Edmond. Don't be surprised. I mean, what does he do against left-handed pitching? You know, he kills it. So, yeah, Tommy Edmond was able to have a nice game, and that was important. Hunter, what is Lars's role upon returning? Everyday guy, continue to shuffle in with Burleson, D.C., Yepi, potentially. So remember back to before even winter warm-up. Uh, this was a conversation that happened at the winter meetings. I don't know where the, the winter meetings were because I had like a two-month-old baby at the time. I didn't travel for that. But Ollie told the media that was there, we don't have a guaranteed outfield coming up this year, but we do have one guy that's going to be in it, Lars Newpar. So I think Ollie Marmel, if he's going to stick with that, is going to have Lars Newpar in his, in his outfield pretty much every day. How that looks is tricky because guess who is surprised and already had the vote of confidence, the stamp, the seal of approval from Ollie Marmel? It's Alec Burleson. Alec Burleson is the guy that really had Ollie Marmel's eye in the early going. I would say even back to spring training, and then he was able to come in and do it justice. He's got an OPS above 900 so far this year. He's going to play against right-handed pitching. When Newbar gets in here, so is he. O'Neill could be the guy, man. If O'Neill doesn't get it going in short order, could I see a world in which Newbar goes to center? Burleson plays more left field. Walker stays the guy in right. Yeah, I could see it. You would be sacrificing defense because I don't think that they think that Lars Newbar is the defensive center fielder that O'Neill can be. We know O'Neill is not there yet, but he can get there because of his raw speed. But man, would you be sacrificing defense? Perhaps. But at the end of the day, I think the Cardinals know that they just got to do what they got to do to get runs, to get consistency. They like the consistency they're getting from Alec Burleson. So 
I don't automatically assume he's going to hit the bench whenever uh, Newpar returns. No, but it's a good question. What's his role? I think Lars is going to play, and I think everybody else is going to have to fight for the scraps. And if Lars goes 0 for his first 15, maybe that's a different story. But for the time being, I think Lars does get the first crack at it. Hunter, damn it, Hunter. He says, notice how I didn't say Kiz, because I did say the Cardinals have 12 guys that are rolling. Uh, the reason I don't say Kiz is, yeah, partially because of his struggles so far. But you know Contreras is going to be catching every day. He's going to be catching every day unless there's a day game after a night game. I bet, you know, tomorrow may be a different story, whatever. It's just going to be one of those things where Kiz's playing time is minimal. I do believe he was the right catcher to have as the backup. He has the experience. Are you going to get great offensive production from him? Probably not. Should it be better? Yes. He's shown more upside in the past. So come on, Kiz. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people are pulling for Kiz. Maybe some other Cardinals fans are, are kind of bringing him down. Let's be positive. I think y'all should be positive. I shouldn't tell you what to do. It's, it's your team. It's not my team. But I feel like most Cardinals fans could get on board with Kiz. That might be helpful to him if you give him a little love. But yeah, he struggled. And so mostly I'm talking, let's say one through 11, because no, you know, no offense to Taylor Motter, but he, he only made the team because of Dion's injury. And I think he's a very good player, a versatile player. Uh, but at the same time, his bat's not really what we're talking about when we talk about guys that could be starting. If you put Dylan Carlson and if you put even Juan Yepes uh, on, on some of these other teams in the, in, the, in the National League, American League, those guys are starting in the daily lineup for a lot of teams. The Cardinals are so deep that they can't in St. Louis on every uh, daily basis, but they're still quality players. Modder, he made the team and he deserves it. He deserves the opportunity. I think it's a little bit of a different story with him. And DeYoung, I saw he was struggling with Memphis in the rehab, so I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do about that. I don't have a lot of air to waste on Paul DeYoung's uh, comeback story right now. He performs or he doesn't, and it will be dictated from there what his role is. Um, but he's going to get the chance, and uh, you know whether you want him to or not, he's going to get the chance. He's being paid to have that chance uh, to kind of take Taylor Motter's spot on the roster. And Kiz is the backup catcher. You want to see him thrive, but he's not going to get a ton of playing time when, when everybody's healthy. And uh, Trevor mentions that Motter shouldn't play every day, which he's not, right? He played today because it's a matchup-oriented thing. He played against a lefty, and it makes sense to have him do so. Uh, Ollie did run out a pretty right-handed heavy lineup, but what did he do? Immediately when they went to the bullpen, Nolan Gorman's in this game, and he ends up coming up with a big home run. So there's a reason for that. Ollie Marble knows what he's doing with platoons, and I thought today was an example of that. James says he doesn't see a team willing to give up pitching uh, in the early portion of the season, even the non-competitive teams aren't going to give up top-end pitching talent. Bad luck to the fans. Cardinals fans, listen to James. He's right. Teams are not trying to trade a starting pitcher for Tyler O'Neill right now. They're not trying to trade a starting pitcher for Dylan Carlson or Juan Yepes. If you think a starting pitcher can help the St. Louis Cardinals, they're not trading their fourth outfielder for that player. Because no team is doing that. Not in April. Maybe you get into July and one of those outfielders looks really good and maybe he has team control because O'Neill does not have a lot of that. So let's say Yapez or Carlson gets real hot and there's a team that's like, man, we've got a pitcher for the next year and a half, but we're not competitive. We'll take four years of a, of a good hitter for him. But the Cardinals are also going to give us a pitching prospect. Now we're talking. That might happen. Until then, you guys are barking up the wrong tree. Those trades just don't, they don't happen. Out, like outside of MLB The Show, they don't happen. Which, by the way, I need to get that game. <laughs> I don't have time to play it, but I'd love to. Andrew said he ordered a Jordan Walker custom jersey. 
but it was immediately refunded because it was sold out. Was it actually because it's weird for a 32-year-old to wear a 20-year-old's jersey? Asking for a friend. Yeah, Andrew, I think the Cardinals did y'all a solid. At that point, they said, oh, boy, how old is this dude? He's over 30? Can't do it. No, I actually don't feel that way. I, I, I've i heard that rumor. I've heard that belief from people who say, if you're over 30, can't wear a jersey of somebody younger than you. I don't wear jerseys personally. Don't wear Cardinals gear. I'm not a Cardinals fan. I'm a writer. But at the same time, if you're a fan, bro, I don't care what you do. I think you should be able to rock the Jordan Walker jersey. If anything, it shows uh, that you're comfortable in your masculinity, right? Because a guy like Jordan Walker is 20 years old, far more accomplished than any of us are. Any of, what were y'all doing at 20? I wasn't doing that, right? So I think it really just says, hey, I'm cool with who I am as a person. I'm going to support Jordan Walker because he is an inspiring young man. And I'm a Cardinals fan, and he plays for my team. If that's the way you are, dude, I totally support that. I think that is the way it should go. Uh, but it's not surprising that it's sold out. You would think they have enough W's and A's and grab a K from over here, get a one, get an eight. They can stitch up those jerseys. I don't understand how it's sold out, but I don't work for the Cardinals, so I can't answer to that. Uh, but I, I do know there's like some uh, Chinese websites you can people know they, they they order the knockoff jerseys and they're like 20 bucks. So not like stumping for that. But if you really wanted to work around uh, Hunter asked for some realistic expectations. Uh, for National Anthem legend Uncle Charlie upon his return. Probably 88 miles per hour, 86 to 88. I'm not saying he's going to be throwing gas, but he gets guys out. ERA around 4, ERA around 3.8. That's realistic. Uh, could he could he supersede that? Could he beat that? Yeah, he's done it before. I'm, I'm done counting out Adam Wainwright, so I think he'll be great. That's my official stance, because whatever year it was, 2019, where I was like, yeah, I think this guy's kind of done. Um, I felt like a, a dummy because he proved me wrong. And I was like, never again. I will never count him out. So if he says he can do it, screw it. I believe him. Uh, Derek, super deep organization. And this year, it's actually deep at the major league level. Uh, will they have the ability to make a big, a big move? Will they actually do it? No. No, because what do they need? I mean, they need a pitcher. They need a high-end ace. But we've talked about already, unless there is a season-ending injury for a starter, they're not going to move for a high-end ace that's on a multi-year contract or somebody that they're going to extend because they don't have the room for him in the rotation. I don't know if they're creative enough to figure out a way to do that unless there's like a season-ending injury for a guy. And then I would say, yeah, they'll, they will add a high-end pitcher. I'm not saying it'll be Shane Bieber, but think Shane Bieber in terms of ace caliber, a year or two remaining on the contract. That's the bill that that you're looking to fit at that point. Um, but I, I think it's tough to imagine that they're going to do that midseason without a place to put that guy that isn't complicated. And I know that people hate to hear the complicated terminology, but it was used in the past for a reason. I think they could replicate it this year by saying, yeah, it'd be hard to figure out where to put a guy. I'm not sitting Miles Michaelis. I'm not sitting Steven Matz. Uh, what, do, what do you want from us? That's sort of what I feel like the Cardinals would say about it. And so uh, don't expect a huge move offensively. Don't expect a huge move because I feel like you're going to look at this lineup and go, yeah, there's really no holes until there gets to be injuries. Injuries is the one thing that could change all of that. They could make a big move if they have injuries. Uh, Derek says his good friend from Japan sent him a new bar WBC jersey. Breaking that bad boy out when he comes to Bush. Japan loves Newt. Yeah, and there have been Japanese reporters even still asking Ali Marble. Don't know if you guys have, have caught this, but on the Monday night postgame show on Bally, there was somebody asking about Newt, like in the postgame. Typically, that would be like a question you'd hear for the next day. 
No, they need to know right now about Lars Newbar because that's their guy over in Japan. So I love that. I hope it happens all year long. Uh, Senga is in their price range and is an ace upside. If they were going to get Kodai Senga, uh, they would have done it already, right? He's he's not getting traded by the Mets. The Mets are going to try to win games this year, right? No, that's not going to happen. Contreras just seems to me like he's pressing new contract, new city, new fans. He's trying to impress them. I'm sure he's feeling a lot of pressure right now. That's from James. Yeah, don't worry. I Like, you can worry about Contreras if you want. I think he's going to be fine. Ultimately, I do expect him to uh, round the corner. Getting that first home run would be a big deal, wouldn't it? That would be that would be nice. Uh, Brent would have liked to fly on Evaldi, and I think he's a good pitcher. Um, but but again, what are you going to give up to trade for him? And who are you replacing in the rotation? I think is a is a key question. It really is. Uh, you say Andrew that Verlander or Rodon should have been added. Sure, they're hurt now, but they won't be all year. Still likely to contribute to their teams in the postseason. I agree. I get it. I thought Rodon would have been a great pick. Verlander was expensive on an annual basis, and so I don't think the Cardinals were in that wheelhouse. But if you like those guys, who's out of the rotation? Is it Wainwright? Is it Mats? They didn't bring these guys in to be relief pitchers. They didn't pay them to be relief pitchers. That's what's hard. It's the contract stuff, and nobody likes to hear it. But if you're honest and you're sitting in the GM chair or the John Mozeliak, the the Pobo chair, president of baseball ops, that's what you have to look at it sometimes. All right, let's see here. Uh, Landon, welcome, Landon. I appreciate you, man. I think you're pretty new to uh, to the stream. Thank you for joining. Heaney or Tyler Anderson would have been interesting. I guess. I don't think either of those guys are obviously better than the five they have. Prob- maybe Anderson based on last year, but that was kind of a one-year wonder unless he follows it up. Heaney, no, I don't think he's better than – Steven Matz, whoever your fifth starter is. I don't think he's better. Uh, Greg says, I was all over them not getting Contreras at the number he got from the Mets. It was a simpler time. Yeah, you might have met Verlander, I think. Um, but yes, I get it. I get it. There were contracts signed. I thought the Rodon contract wasn't bad. I thought they could have done that, but they didn't. Andrew adds the, uh, well, where'd it go? Son of a biscuit. Man, y'all are commenting a lot. I thought I was caught up, and I wasn't. I'm going to roll through these comments quick. I'm going to try to get this done in an hour. If I don't get your question through, at bshafer12 on Twitter, let me know that I missed it, and I will make sure to uh, to chat with you privately and get your answers to your questions, man. That's the name of the game. Uh, subscribe, y'all, to the stream. If you've not subscribed to Shape Daily on YouTube or the Brendan Schaefer YouTube, whatever I have it called, uh, please do that. It helps me tremendously. Uh, Andrew says the crux of the issue with them, they can afford to spend on high-end pitchers. They just choose not to, and they had six starters, but those guys aren't good enough. Yep, I get it. Uh, Like I said, I don't know where their payroll actually is right now, but it's not probably top 10, and uh, a starting pitcher would have been a way to add to that. It just would have been tricky because they have five starters that they're paying, and I'm counting Jack Flaherty. I'm counting Montgomery because this year they're paying those guys, not long-term, but they are under contract. Uh, Patrick said from the earlier point on Twitter, his issue with Ollie in the wild card was his handling of Helsley faced too many batters. And by the first walk he hit, uh, after the hit, he looked off. That's true. Like, and I said it at the time, you can go back to B-shaped daily. I was all over it after that game. Ollie should have known after, uh, the walk that it was time to take him out. And then I think he had the hit by pitch after that. They were late to do it. They were late to go out and visit with him. Um, that was a little bit of a delay. Let's understand the reason that that happened against Philly last year. They had so much belief in Ryan Helsley. 
it didn't occur to anybody, including Ryan Helsley in the moment, that there might have been a problem with his physical health. I know that most of us watching were like, well, it just happened on Tuesday that he hurt his finger. Why wouldn't it be obvious to them? In the moment, they say they didn't really, it didn't occur to them. And even if it did, Ryan Helsley's your all-star closer. You kind of just think he's going to work his way through it. And if he can't, that's fine. But like in that moment, before it all goes to hell, are you confident enough to take him out for an injury designation, which means I think you lose him for the rest of the series and the division series if you do that. I could be wrong about that. But he had to face the three batter minimum, and otherwise that is the situation you're facing. Are you confident enough to do that and then to be able to trust whoever you'd bring in from the bullpen because the options were not obvious at that point either? The Cardinals said we're going to live and die with Helsley, and they lost. And and honestly, it was it started with that play, the ground ball to Edmund, where he tried to make a play uh, and and get overly aggressive, and it went to the wrong base, and the rest is history. It sucked. I don't think Ollie Marmel was to blame for the wild card loss. I don't. I know that I respect your opinion, Patrick. I respect all the Cardinals fans who who feel differently about it, but that's just how I see it. All right, rolling through. Redbird says too many strikes called from balls. Wilson feels like sometimes his framing is lazy. Um, I'm not going to blame uh, blame Wilson for framing. I'm going to blame umpires for just being bad. Home plate umpires have been awful this year. Um, I'm ready for the robots for sure. Uh, Allison, welcome in. Glad I finally caught the live uh, Twitter follower here. How do you get the offense going again? Mix up the order? Honestly, I think it's just getting everybody to do their job. Like we saw it tonight. It, it took nine innings, but they scored nine runs. Like it can absolutely happen. Um, yes, there will be times when the order gets mixed up. But for the most part, you've got three, four, five that are going to be the same. Arenado, pardon me, Goldie, Arenado, Contreras. And beyond that, they want to flip the left and the right and, and make it uh, platoon specific. So I don't know how many major changes you'll have to the order day to day. Uh, but I, I do think if you look one through nine, I would say one through 11 or 12, this is a very, very potent lineup. And uh, I think they're going to be able to show that night after night. It's just been a few days since they have Allison. So that's why we've seen. Uh, people kind of get up in arms about uh, the offense. Isaac, what's up, man? I'm interested to see how the outfield playing time shakes out. Newt's coming back, and they, they love Bertelson. Yep, we've talked about it, but it's 100% probably uh, outside of the pitching. The most interesting thing to follow on this team is who plays in the outfield day-to-day after Newt comes back. It's a great question. Uh, J-Rose says that Chip is straight up. He's going to add some flair to the calls. He's added some juice to the Cardinals' big play. I think Chip does a great job. Couldn't agree more uh hunter was talking about the payroll comment for the rays okay yeah no their payroll is not five dollars it's at least twelve dollars and fifty cents uh for sure james says that he likes chip as well fans are accustomed to danny mac chip is a real smart baseball guy i appreciate his style uh calling for both teams not just being a homer uh danny mac great at his, at his job obviously had to be removed from it for uh the reasons we're all aware of um hoping for the best for him i think chip does a great job too and so i think cardinals fans here's the thing you love your broadcaster when the team's losing? No. You got to love them when they're winning. I mean, that's it, there's nothing Chip Carey or anybody else can do about the score. So Cardinals fans are just looking for those dubs, I think, at this point. Uh, let's see. 479. Everybody's giving me the footage. Allegedly 479 on Crone. More like 579, if I had to guess. Uh, Yachty said he wants to manage. Ollie's not doing himself favors. I've seen a lot of this from Cardinals fans that uh, Yachty – is going to be the manager and Ollie is just keeping his seat warm. I don't have any insight. I don't have any extra like explanation for this comment, but I'm going to make the comment anyway. No, Yachty will never manage the Cardinals. 
That's my prediction. Moving on. Yes, it's a Shakespeare's Cup. What level of starting pitcher would be considered acceptable at the deadline for the Cardinals at number two, or does it have to be a number one? It has to be a number one probably to be worth it unless uh, there's an injury. And then you're just talking about get yourself a number two, number three to make sure it's stabilized. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it, you have to, to make it justifiable, you have to get a number one who is under contract for beyond 2023. Otherwise, there's really not any point in doing it. Okay, this is interesting. I'm now getting into some uh, some Mizzou talk. I think the Shakespeare's Cup might have got people going. Um, Justin says, please do football. Uh, Patrick says, do a Mizzou podcast of annoyed alumni at a 6-6 six and six season with likely one or two top 25 wins. Guys, if you really want Mizzou content, which I'll give it to you at some point, especially when we get closer to the season, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on ktgr.com. If you don't live in Columbia, that's fine. KTGR.com, the KTGR app, where every single day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., we talk Mizzou a ton, and we talk Cardinals. Like, if you're a Cardinals and Mizzou fan, and you're not listening to Andy and I on the radio 4 to 6 p.m. and commenting, we look at the text line, it's just like this. I'm just as crazy on the radio as I am here. I don't know what you're doing with your life. You have to tune in, especially when we get into football season, guys. Um, I'd love nothing more than to get some St. Louis people on the text line on KTGR. Uh, giving, giving Andy some, some trouble as well. Uh, Hunter says fantasy football pods is a must guys. I want to become a fantasy football talker guy. Like I want to talk a ton of fantasy in the fall. I need the audience to, to get me there because a lot of y'all follow Cardinals. I don't know if I have enough followers that care about fantasy. And so every time I tweet about fantasy, I'm like, am I screwing myself here? Are people going to be pissed? I would love to talk fantasy in the fall and I'll do a whole podcast series if enough people want it. So keep giving me that kind of feedback. Yeah, PDJ, Paul DeYoung, 0 for 4, 3Ks in Memphis. Got to be better. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, it, it, the leash will be short if it doesn't work out. Burleson will go to DH at some, and Gorman can play the field some. Uh, Swick, 1-5, uh, I got this question last night, and here's how I answered it. Even though Donovan played left field today, uh, I, I basically said yesterday, Donovan, don't love him in the outfield. And he made one of the best catches I've ever seen in left field tonight, so... I'm a dummy, but typically the reason that it doesn't make sense to have Burleson at DH and Gorman in the field is because you also have to find a way to get Donovan in there. Those three have to occupy left field, second base DH, whatever order you want to put them in. I guess it doesn't matter. Donovan clearly can play left field and I was wrong and dumb, but those three against right-handed pitching, Donnie's a left-handed bat. Burley's a left-handed bat. Gorman's a left-handed bat. They're all going to play. Do whatever alignment you want. My point is, they're all going to have to play, so there's not really any advantage to be gained by uh, Burleson playing uh, as the DH, unless you feel like the alignment of Donnie in left, Gorman at second, is better for the team defensively than Burley in left and Donnie at second. I personally believe Donnie is a gold lover at second. Burley is so-so in left. I think even though he made a great play tonight, Donovan is like about average in left. Maybe above average. Like, that was a great play that he made. Uh, Gorman, is he above average at second? I don't know that he is. So I think the, the cost-benefit analysis sort of does benefit Burley staying in left and Gorman staying at DH. But I can understand the question. And, and I think they'll do it at times. It's just a matter of personal preference for me. Popcorn. Is Trey Barrera with the organization or did they release him? I think he's still with them. But I haven't looked at the uh, minor league roster, so I actually can't answer that. Um, but I still would take Kisner over Barrera. 
but he does need to get going offensively. DeYoung is too injury-prone, scared at the plate, admitted before he has a hand problem and thinks it ruined his swing, uh, plus he's hurt in other ways. DeYoung's got to get it going. I root for Paul DeYoung, but the, the, the clock is ticking on his ability to contribute, and when he gets back to the big league level, it's going to maybe kind of be put-up or shut-up time. Because as much as people don't love Taylor Motter, Taylor Motter is a fine ball player, and he can he can be versatile. So uh, DeYoung's role is not just automatic on, on this team, uh, I don't believe. Miles got paid, says Mike, and the Cardinals got played. Hope not. I don't think the Cardinals got played. I think Michaelis will be okay. Uh, he was going to do bad today. 12 ERA at course historically. It, it wasn't going to be a great night for him. Uh, Miles is good, says Redbirds. Uh, so made me sound smart. Grown men should not bring ball gloves to the ballpark. Jerseys, wear them. That's fair. That's fair. Like catch a catch a fly ball or a foul ball with your bare hands if you're over the age of, if you're not a teenager. Even if you're like a high school kid, bring your glove. I don't care. That's fine. But beyond that, I kind of agree. Can we not give Mason Wynn a chance to be a two-way player and pitch? That's weird because I'm sure it was addressed at some point, but I, I never recall it being said like, yes, he's done pitching and he's done forever, but he's at AAA now as a shortstop. So I think if you were going to pitch, we'd know it by now. Uh, so no, he's going to be a shortstop. Don't get used to Walker in 18. He'll probably be 22 before uh, before too long because I think Flaherty's leaving. I think he'll stay with 18. He doesn't care about the number. I don't think he's going to care about the number. Um, I keep bringing up that the Cardinals don't have room for a high-end ace because they already have paid starters. That's not our problem, though. We didn't tell them to sign those guys that aren't aces. I basically said that you, you can always sign an ace or trade for an ace. I don't think that the Cardinals are going to trade for somebody who is not an ace because the the differential is not high enough. If you can get an ace, they'll do it because they know that it matters for 2024 as well, but he's got to be under contract for next year because they only have three starters that are, um, or is it two, Michaelis and Mats. But I'm counting Libby. I think Libertor will be uh, the third. So Senga's forkball is so dirty. Yeah, it is. And Joe says Senga's the exact type of pitcher the Cardinals could have been targeting in the offseason. Yeah, what do you get, like $90 million? They probably should have gotten him. Didn't get him. Uh, Joe loves the podcast. He's loving the discussions post-game, and he will be subbed and subscribed. Appreciate it. Sub and subscribe. That's the same word. Why did I say that? Uh, wrapping things up here, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to get to the rest of these comments, but then we're going to wind it down. It's been over an hour. I usually try to cap it at an hour. Um, James says it's been a rough year for hockey. We'd love to see me doing hockey talk next season. Enjoy the straight tell it like it is style. Would love some hockey analysis. Uh, and Trevor says hockey was brutal. Guys, it might be brutal to hear me talk hockey on a nightly basis. Uh, I do follow the Blues, but not like I do Cardinals. Not to the same level, nor is my knowledge the same. Um, but I would I would envision a world where I can bring on a guest and have like a regular guy I talk hockey with. Let me know in the St. Louis market who you want me to talk hockey with on a daily basis. And we get that guy to come in. And maybe he can look me look a little smarter and uh, help me get things going. Then we'll do hockey talk. But baseball is where that's my wheelhouse. Mizzou football, Mizzou basketball, that's my wheelhouse. Otherwise, I want to tread carefully because I don't want to sound like a dummy, uh, to be totally honest with y'all. Uh, Swick15 says Miles will be okay. Redbirds asks how many innings did he pitch in the playoffs. Honestly, I don't remember. Game two of the wild card series, I'll have to go back and look. But, you know, it. Miles was not the reason they lost that game, if I can recall correctly. So that's where I'm going to leave you guys tonight. We've gotten through all the questions. Every comment that was made, I think I was able to respond to it. If I didn't, 
I'm at bshafer12 on Twitter. Before you go, the 18 of you that are left, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, it's been a blast to have uh, the opportunity to talk with you guys tonight. But that is going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, and we'll talk to you next time. Not a post-game show tomorrow. Join KTGR from 4 to 6 p.m. tomorrow online. Uh, we'll be doing it at KTGR.com, but we will have a B-Shape Daily podcast every evening. I don't think I've missed a day all season on B-Shape Daily. I am rolling seven days a week. That's why it's called Daily. Thank you guys so much for joining. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.